Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. I didn't understand suffering for a long time, and I did everything to avoid it before coming to Christ. I went to a pastor's conference, and the man who was at the front, there was about a thousand pastors there, and the guy that was at the front said these words, suffering is part of God's game plan to perfect us. I said, man, if I would have known that, I would have stood right in the middle of suffering from day one. I would have let that train run me over. But on Thursday morning, I woke up in Job chapter 14, verse 1, and I was thinking like Job was thinking when he wrote these words. He wrote... Um, 14.1 man that is born of a woman man who is born of a woman has a few days and these few days are filled with trouble this is the perspective of somebody who sees their suffering difficult and hardship through the lens of their tantrum throwing character where they're like my life is miserable and all I get is problems and I don't know what's going on and why it's in me and so we see this perspective is not a healthy perspective at the end um, Job declares the word um, I, I knew you but not like I know you now I want to I want to share those words um, let me get them for you real quick because we can know God to a certain degree but the truth of the matter when we go through hardship um, we get a close-up in Job 42, verse 4. Listen, please, and let me speak. You said, I will question you, and you shall answer me. Uh, let's go to verse 5. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear. That means at one time, people told us about God, and we listened. But now my eyes see you. Suffering allows you to see God up close. Brokenness allows you to understand a measure of God that you wouldn't otherwise see. So a lot of people say, why does God cause so much suffering upon the earth? Is so that we might see him more clearly. So we might get closer to the Lord. And that's what I told my children the night that our house burned down. Uh, on Saturday night after we went to the hotel. Two o'clock in the morning we gathered together. And I told them, listen, Christianity is about hardship. It's about suffering. It's about affliction. It's about trials and tribulations. And, and so we draw closer to God, not farther away. We, we don't question God. We don't act uh, like Job did at the beginning of his trial. Now his eyes are seeing God face to face and clear. So brokenness gives you an opportunity to uh, understand our existence upon the earth in a way we would not otherwise understand. And I have... Um, seen this in the life of so many people. I've seen people that go through trials that are crazy. And, and recently, I'll, I'll tell you something, after this happened to us, um, a song came out of my, my spirit that I hadn't sung for 20 years. Isn't that incredible? That 20 years ago, when I was starting out in my Christianity, I was all broken, I was undone, I was chaotic, my life didn't make sense. And I learned a song that says, Lord, I'm trusting in you. You're all I have. And then as I got closer to God during those years and God began to prosper me and strengthen me and allow me to flourish, those songs of brokenness didn't come anymore. It was songs of triumph. It was songs of victory. It was songs of strength. It was songs of power, of conquest. But I, I found myself in the last couple of days that these, these, these songs coming out of my spirit 
saying, Lord, when, when all is gone, when everything is dark, when I can't see anything, I'll trust in you. I'll trust in you. I'll go to you. And so this is a phenomenal scenario that, that I found in the depth of my spirit. So in all the Bible, we see the cast of characters. Um, they're all different personalities. They're all different abilities, experiences. But they all have uh, one thing in common. God took them into a season of brokenness. It's a place of lasting influence because of this crisis or difficulties in their life. Uh, I want to uh, talk about this slogan that, that some people have. Have you ever heard the saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it? If it's not broken, don't fix it. Well, God has a different philosophy than that. He says, if the heart is not broken, it's not fixed. If the heart is not broken, then there's some fixing that has to go on. Brokenness allows us to begin to align ourselves with God. The verses in the Bible that we see, and, 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 and we, one of the things that came out after that Job verse was Psalm 37, um, verse 19. This is the verse that, that came to me after the Job verse. Um, I'm sorry, 34:19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many are the troubles of those people that are upon the earth living for God. But one of the powerful things is not our afflictions and the focus of the troubles will live, but the, the Lord will deliver him out of all of them. The rescue of God in the midst of our brokenness is, is the most incredible thing. And, and I'm glad for the sake of my children, imagine they were born in the Lord after I got out of my crazy life away from God. When I come to the Lord and he starts putting my life together, well, my children are grown up seeing the favorable side of God's mercy and grace on our life. So they've never seen devastation. They've never seen, uh, they even laughed at it. Because uh, when we go to these conferences and we're preaching about divorce and, and Brandon was joking around his senior year, he's like, well, the worst thing that ever happened to, to me was my dad got to sleep with my mom every night for the, all my life. I've never, there was never any hardship. The, the worst thing that's ever happened to us is, and so they talk about all the glories of the favor of God, uh, his grace, his mercy, his, his exaltation. The Lord says that, that he will exalt the humble. So my kids have, have seen the glory of God and pretty much brokenness to them hasn't been a reality. And this last week has been a beautiful reality to allow God to be broken once again, to allow God to, to bring us into our life uh, and, and, and introduce us to what, I didn't know what a 10 pack was. <laughs> I had no idea. And so God is showing us a whole bunch of things that, that are renewing. Now, when God decides to come and bring that into your life, um, in Acts chapter 9, verse 4, this is the response that we can have in the midst of brokenness. Here, uh, Saul is in his high and mighty horse, and he fell to the ground. Um, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you coming against me? And in verse 5, look at the response that a man could give in the time of brokenness. Who are you, Lord? And he says, I'm Jesus. Why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Verse 6. So trembling, he not only said, who are you? But he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? 
Those are the two questions that we begin to ask when God begins to allow trouble and affliction and trials. Lord, did I lose you? Did, did, did I misread what you're doing in my life? And how do you want me to line up and where do you want me to be? Those are the two healthy things that you could tell God in the midst of your suffering and affliction. God, who are you? And what do you want me to do? In other words, you got my attention. You got my focus in that regards. And that's what brokenness does. And, and while a lot of people see brokenness as, and, and they read it in, in a horrible light, Lee Strobel went over to the universities, to the Ivy League schools, and he asked the professors to explain to him why, uh, why God allowed brokenness in the world. And the conclusion he came was every person that ever goes through any trial or suffering immediately comes before God asking him, you know, you got my attention. I lost my mom. I lost my son. I lost my money. I lost my house. When our pastor Jose Medieros, in 10 years into his marriage, he's a pastor in Mexico, when, when he lost his marriage, when he lost his belongings, he lost his house, um, he found himself almost at the point of suicide because of the devastation in his life. And that's for the first time after many years that he looks up and he says, God, where are you? And God tells him, I've never left. I've always been in the same place. You're the one that walked away. I blessed you with a house, with a family, with marriage. You cheated on your wife. You lost your house. You lost your, your, your personal belongings. You're living on the street. It's not me who has moved. It's you. And so this is, this is the process and the time that we learn these things. It was the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15, verse 17, that he gets to the place and he says, I've lost. I've, I've become unfocused. And he says to himself, how many hired servants in my father's house have bread enough to spare and perish, and I perish with hunger? I'm, I'm totally distant. Verse 18, I will arise and go to my father and I'll say to him, I've sinned against him, heaven and before you. Verse 19, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your servants. There's all this introspection, all this inner uh, aligning your heart with God's purpose and plan verse 20 and he rose and came to his father says that that relationship was restored and he came back his father saw him from far off and with compassion he ran towards him fell on his neck and kissed him in verse 21 he begins to um, uh, array him with garments verse 22 but the father said bring out the best robe in times of brokenness, in times of the worst times, is when God, it, it's like a, a double scenario. He's, he's bringing you to the beginning again, and then he's reminding you what he is in your life. That apart from him, you could do nothing. And, and uh, being far from this uh, response in Luke chapter 18, verse 9, we have the, um, the Pharisee who says, I don't need God because everything is going right, everything is going powerful. Uh, he also spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves, were confident, they were righteous and despised others, had a, an attitude. And that's one of the things I told my children that night when the Red Cross put us in a hotel. I said, we're going to go. The people said, don't, don't go there. You're not a Red Cross recipient. I said, yes, we're going to go. We're going to go and see what other people experience. We're going to go and see what, uh, 
the suffering and the, the valleys that somebody, and in the United States, this is almost comical that they put you up in a Marriott. Oh, that's suffering. Ooh, it's horrible. Some people have nowhere to go in other countries. They have to take their family probably behind a tree or in a cave or God knows what. And here, God is just giving us a glimpse of being displaced from our home. And, and he says these verse, uh, verse 10, he says that one, two men went up to the temple to pray, the Pharisee and the tax collector, the publican, verse 11. One in his self-righteousness stood and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. I'm not suffering extortion, unjust, adulteries. I'm not a tax collector. I don't, I don't live like these people. Verse 12. I fast twice a week. I got all things together. I give my tithes of all that I possess. I got everything under the shadows of your care. Verse 13. And the tax collector standing afar off was broken. Not so much as even able to raise his eyes to heaven. But he would beat his breast and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And then there, verse 14 says, out of these two men, I tell you the truth, that the tax collector went home aligned up with God rather than the other. Because those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. That the brokenness that God allows in our lives is to uh, reconsider our journey. Psalm 51, 17 says that the sacrifices before God, which are acceptable is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These God you will never despise. So I understood years ago going to this pastor's conference that there was more brokenness going to occur in my life. There was more things that were going to come to keep me off keel, if you will, to, to really make sure I'm on the rock, make sure that I'm right where God wants me to be in this regard. John 15, 4 Jesus reminds us that a branch cannot bear fruit by itself. It needs to be connected. If you remain in the vine, neither can you bear. It says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit on its own, unless it's connected to the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who is connected in me, abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. I'm reminded again that everything I had, that, and Yvette had posted something, that before the times of trials, Jesus was there. Everything we had at our home was the goodness of God. And literally, you could go through my house, and you could see my dining room set, you could see my living room set, you could see my clothes, and they were all the expressions of God's goodness. In the last 20 years, God has been super faithful, especially the last 10 years when we left our law practice and God just continued to bestow his mercies upon me. Well, since the fire, I can tell you that the same God that uh, supplied and was without fault during the first uh, 20 years of ministry continues to uh, shower us with his grace and mercy, with his loving kindness. We're, we're seeing it in a tangible manner like, uh, like such as probably my kids didn't understand. I told them on that night, I said, now you guys understand why me and mom are so intense and deliberate about our seeking and serving the Lord. Now you guys understand a little bit why uh, our, we're totally surrendered. That's one of the things that, that brokenness does in your life. It allows you to pull out your, your, your white hanky and say, Lord, I'm not, I have no issues. 
I have no fights against you. You, you own everything. It, everything is yours. Without you, we would perish. Without you, we couldn't take another breath. Um, there in, I want to share these verses. In Lamentations chapter 3. You take a, a good look at these, of this chapter, Lamentations 3. I am the man who's seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He has led me and made me walk in darkness and not in light. Surely he has turned his hand against me time and time again throughout the day. He has aged my flesh and my skin and broken my bones. He's besieged me around with bitterness and woe. He has set me in dark places like the dead of long ago. He has hedged me in so that I cannot go out. He has made my chain heavy when I cry and shout. He shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways. So this man is going through a time of brokenness and it all serves the purpose to know that God is, is turning him back towards God's, uh, God's excellence. And so he says there, um, verse 20, my soul still remembers and sinks within me. This I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord's mercies, because of the Lord's mercies, were not consumed. Because of his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait upon him. The soul who waits, who seeks him, it is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the Lord and his salvation. In all this time of uh, of brokenness this is our confidence verse 32 though he causes grief yet he shall show compassion according to the multitudes of his mercy Amen. for he does not afflict willingly nor grieve the children of men to crush one under feet all the prisoners of the earth to turn aside the justice do a man before the face of the most high God so in that regards in the time of difficulty, in the time of hardship, the time of brokenness, um, I, 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 I still consider it super comical that the day before I'm going to preach a message about the offense of the Christian life and Christian faith and how the hardships that befall of us, those of us who follow God, um, what a great culminating context. It reminds me of these two little girls that saw their father come home and one of them grabbed onto her father's leg and hugged him. And she said these words, the one squeezing his leg says, now I got all of daddy. She was hugging onto his leg. I got all of daddy. That's how I felt. But after the fire, then I, I see the other girl who ran up on his arms. The one that was in his arms says, yes, daddy has all of me. Isn't that powerful? To have the favor of God is a great thing, but to see his mercies renewed upon our life gives me a renewed sense of brokenness that will open up greater fruitfulness in my life. We'll, we'll begin to uh, open up. Psalm 34, 6 says, As I sought the Lord, he delivered me from all my fears. As I sought the Lord, he delivered me from all my fears. Whatever the issues that are going on in your life, if God takes center stage, you'll be doing fine. It's that psalm in verse 18 that says that the Lord is close to a broken heart and he rescued those that have a contrite spirit. And I, I really believe that this is just preparing the ground for greater increase. I really believe that this is a season uh, so that we are in the next scene or s season of our life that we take off to greater heights 
that our spirit and our hearts are not lifted above uh, what God, uh, you know, is pleased with. In Proverbs 24, 16 says, a righteous man shall fall seven times, but he shall rise up again. That's, that's, that's what the Lord does. We've gone through several of these events in my life. Uh, times where uh, the Lord reduces us down to one underwear. And it's, it's a glorious time. And then the Lord builds us up again, but we never forget. We never forget the valleys. We never get, forget the sufferings and, and continue in the simplicity. That's why Paul says in Romans 5.3 that in the midst of our tribulations, we glory. People don't understand that. It's, it's, it says not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Why would, why would people have a character to rejoice in dark and troubled times because we know that this is not in vain this is not just consequential we know that there's glories that follow that produce perseverance a character weighed upon God my, my, my four children are at the front seat of seeing the glorious hand of Christ they're just just blown away by by for what happened on Saturday Remember that for 20 years, there hasn't been an incident in our home. And then what happened on Saturday allows them to take a front seat to see the goodness of our God, to see the faithfulness of God. Uh, and I was talking about these Christians that were in the arenas being devoured by lions. Imagine a lion is chewing your arm off and you're so understanding the faithfulness of God that you sing His amazing graces. You sing songs and hymns. And if you see what happened to the early Christians, they were blown away and continued in their steadfast faithfulness to God. And so I pray that, that as the coming days come along and God allows us to continue to go through adverse situations. Um, let's go back to Psalm 34, verse 19. That we understand that the many afflictions in our lives whatever they are we would be focused on the God who delivers us out of them all that's our focus in this season and um, God has been faithful at incredible degrees so then 2 Corinthians 12 9 Paul says these words he says therefore I will glory his grace is sufficient and my strength is made perfect in times of weakness therefore most gladly I will rather boast in my troubles to see the power of Christ that rests upon me and so um, it's awkward but but it's 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 super refreshing at the same time let's stand this morning and and ask God to understand the brokenness and the afflictions in our lives to let us see his hand stronger than the hand some people uh, are seeing all sorts of you know horizontal things but true brokenness and surrender is a transaction between you and God. It's a, a dealing with God. That's why James chapter uh, 1 verse 2, James would write, In the midst of all these trials, count it joy. Count it all joy when you fall into various challenges. And um, it's making us stronger. We're prepared for greater things from God. Uh, our, our, our faith is stretched at a greater level.
and that we might uh, move forward in being able to manifest the reality of the God we preach and His faithfulness in our lives. Times of revival comes when God sees a total surrender uh, through the times of brokenness. Your brokenness should lead you to surrender. Your surrender leads you to a revival. So we know that that's coming down uh, the pike. That's, that's in the cycle of God's hands dealing. Um, because we don't know how to relate with God, and this happens in the natural realm, some people have never had a father. The father abandoned them. So when they come to church and they deal with a spiritual father like the pastor, they think that just because I correct them or call their attention or say something, the pastor doesn't like me. But it, it's, it's the opposite. Because pastor loves, he's able to care enough to speak into your life. And so the same thing with God. A lot of people don't understand brokenness. It says, well, is, pastor, is God upset at pastor? Is, is his wrath upon him to destroy him? And this verse reminds me that there's, um, there's being at the feet of the Lord. There's a process in Luke 20, verse 18. If you're surrendered upon the rock and you allow the hand of God to break you, whoever falls on Christ will be broken. But you don't want him to fall on you, whomever it falls upon will grind him to powder like the the psalm that Gabby was just quoting she says the unfaithful I'm going to cut off the land I'm just going to get rid of but the truth is the broken that the God allows us to perfect us we're we're asking God to continue to not leave us to continue I know that 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 for my life my wife um, my children that because we have a calling in God, uh, we need to be close to times like this. We need to be real close to times like this. And it will reflect a different uh, expression of our attitudes and the ministry and the grace and the compassion that we would have to do the Lord's bidding. Let's bow our heads and ask God that He would strengthen us in times of difficulty to such an extent that we're surrendered like Paul. Lord, I want to know you more. And what do you want me to do? Father, thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you for world-changing brokenness. We don't even know how to explain it because that's the perfection of your work, Lord. You're close to the brokenhearted. You're the one that receives a sacrifice of a broken spirit, a contrite spirit. That is pleasing before you, Lord. And so we tell you once again that we can do nothing without you. We're totally surrendered. We're totally bow down to your presence and to your purpose in our lives and it doesn't matter what comes it doesn't matter what happens we're surrendered trusting in you we have lost so many great men of God in the last couple of years Leo Gossage we lost uh, Bill, uh, the, the daughtery Pastor Daughtery from Victory Outreach in Tulsa We've lost uh, Miles Monroe to an airplane accident. That all these times of afflictions and adversities and trials, we too offer up our lives to be broken for your glory. We, we bow down and surrender 
asking you that we want to know you more in the midst of this suffering and hardship. It's not purpose to grow bitter or resentful or throw tantrums. We understand that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but you will deliver him out of all of them. There's not one of them that your hand will not deliver him out of. So let your spirit rest upon us. Let us purpose to go deeper into your word, deeper into a relationship with you, and that we might serve you in alignment with your priorities and purposes. Thank you for brokenness. Thank you for times of afflictions and hardship. Thank you from, for when we only have you and we could confess wholeheartedly and full of joy, we only need you. I only have one desire in all the earth and it's to have you, Lord. You are sufficient. Your grace is sufficient. Your mercy, your presence, your love is sufficient, Lord. Nothing else can satisfy me. We praise you. We glorify you. And allow us to be about your affairs. Be focused in your priorities. And we give you thanks in the mighty name of Jesus. And the house of God says, amen, amen, and amen.